SuperiorSpiderTalk.com presents Ultimate Spin. My name is Gwen Stacy. I went to a science demonstration, got bitten by a radioactive spider, and now have these amazing powers. I can sense danger before it happens, stick to walls, and I'm really fast and crazy strong. To the residents of New York, I'm the dangerous vigilante called Spider Woman. But you know me as Spider Gwen. Now let's find out what I've been up to. Are you ready? Because it's time for the ultimate spin. What's up, true believers? I'm Noor Harak, and thank you so much for downloading The Ultimate Spin, the world's number one Spider-Man podcast for fans of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen. The web is so much more than Peter Parker, and our show is your audio companion to these characters' ongoing adventures. Hey there, my name's Brian. It is November 2015, and in this episode, we finally get to meet post-Secret Wars' Miles Morales as Spider-Man makes his debut with Mark Wade, Mahmoud Asrar, and Adam Kuwert's all-new, all-different Avengers. We'll also catch up with Radioactive Spider-Gwen Number 2 by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. Plus, we'll announce the winners of our Radioactive Spider-Gwen variant cover giveaway. As always, you can find show notes, catch up with older episodes, and send us messages at ultimatespinpodcast.com. There you'll be able to find links to our iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook pages. We love hearing from our fellow fans, so don't be shy. Drop us a line and let us know what's on your mind. This show started as a Miles Morales podcast, and then the Miles Morales series kind of went on hiatus. So uh, after a long while, we finally have some Miles news. Miles Morales is coming back in February 2016, and Marvel had posted some preview pages from, as Kyle calls it, adjectiveless Spider-Man number one. I thought this book was never going to come with all the Secret Wars delays and with yeah. the uh, with the last uh, episode with me and Kyle for the Brothers of Destruction, <laughs> there was one segment where we were literally just, we broke into tears laughing over, <laughs> over whenever this series would come out. So it's nice to get some news and some confirmation when we're actually getting it. Yeah, it's um, some interesting images. We see some destruction in the city of New York and a pile of what seems to be dead Avengers. I can make out Scarlet Witch and... The vision, possibly, and then Miles is confronting this strange creature, um, kind of like a tricked-out version of No Face from Spirited Away. If you ever seen that Miyazaki film, but it was cool because it reminded me of how well Sarah Bacalli can do scary. Like I don't know if you remember her Venom from the first run of Miles Morales. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's really intense looking and who knows if this is a dream sequence or this is the wrap up to the events and secret wars and then we get a page where we get to see miles out of costume and ganky so much to my relief ganky lives and will be around for the new series much to both of our relief, <laughs> it's like a huge stable of his characters having ganky at his side outside of the costume to try to help him figure things out with being spider-man so it's nice that they'll be carrying him over how they're doing it exactly um i'm interested to see I was also interested to see that she took the chance to kind of revisit or update her designs for those characters because they look a little older, Gan- Ganky in particular. Yeah, I noticed the same. Yeah, so that's it's good to give it a refresh. It's been a while since she's done these characters, so I can't wait. I also have to say that these are just the inks. They haven't been colored in yet, but it kind of looked cool. It almost reminded me of like a Japanese manga. Yeah, I was There's getting that style. vibe. <laughs> yeah, but good stuff. Sure. And in other Miles news, huge Miles news, um, there's an incredible new fan film that's out. Uh, you can find it at spidermanlives.com. And I've been tweeting the heck out of this on our uh, Ultimate Spin Twitter account. But did you get to check this out? 
it's like like I couldn't put it into words. Like for like just something that was just a independent project, just doing it just for the hell of it. It looked so cool. I think it's it's particularly exciting because when the news that the movie was happening, there was a lot of interest in saying or in saying like, could Miles be the lead of a Spider-Man film? And as it turned out, that wasn't the case, or now is not the time, but. This was a cool kind of glimpse into what that could be like. It's an original story. It's adapted from the source material. So it's pulling a lot of different ideas. So I don't know if you remember, uh, Kangaroo was technically Miles's first battle. When he was running around in like the makeshift uh, Peter Parker costume. Right. right? And so that, you know, that's brought into play here. And even Bombshell makes an appearance, which is, which is kind of neat to see. So. The creators really had a handle on Miles's world and kind of elements that come into play. It does a great job of setting up the character as inheriting the legacy or carrying on the mantle and some cool uh, fight choreography and the payoff of seeing Miles in the costume. It's, it's handled really well. And it just, it got me really pumped up for the possibility like this character can work on the big screen. Um, it would be, it would be great to see. So highly recommended if you haven't seen it yet, spidermanlives.com. It's about a 10 minute film. Definitely worth your time. The next bit, little bit of news we have is we have another reissue of Spider-Verse number two. Uh, presumably, I'm going to guess to open up more new readers to her new series. Now, um, it's Spider-Gwen number zero. Um, it comes at $4.99 with scripts and other bonus materials. What do you think of that? Is that worth it? I picked it up. It's pretty interesting if you want to know more about the creative process um, in terms of putting a comic book together. So it contains the full script uh, for Edge of Spider-Verse 2. Mm-hmm. And so when we talked to Dave Marquez earlier this year, he was explaining, you know, Marvel style versus full script. And this is like a page by page breakdown. And you get some insight into the the thought process in uh, in terms of creating the story. So little details that would have flown over our heads. For example, that first shot where they have the Mary Janes rehearsing, Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Latour explains, you know, somewhere in the shot, he wants to get a security camera placed in there and he wants to imply, um, that there's, uh, his words, a light police state at play. It's not quite watchmen, but maybe in a few years it could be, but he just wants to, you know, suggest that reason or measures like this are a big reason why Gwen wears a mask. And so that's, that's really interesting to kind of help start the world building. So I, I think that's worth a look. I don't know if you own it already, if it's worth another five bucks, um, in terms of the other sketches, you get some of, uh, Robbie's, uh, artwork before it was colored in and you get a few, uh, sketches from Greg Land, uh, the variant covers he did. I don't know if that material, if you already own the book itself adds up to uh four It's not, the book is too new, so it doesn't warrant any, sort of remastering or adjustment to the pictures or, or text themselves. Yeah. So, you know, if it, if it comes up in a sale, a digital sale on Comixology, definitely give it a shot. So with that, uh, should we get into what Gwen is up to these days in Radioactive Spider-Gwen number two? Absolutely. Let's do it. If you've been listening to us for some time, uh, you may notice we are going to try a different format here. So rather than recap the book page by page, we'll just kind of sum up the book and then get into things that we loved and things that maybe didn't uh, resonate with us as, as strongly as they could have. Sound good? 
Yeah, sounds good to me. And of course, you guys are the listeners. Uh, if you guys have any feedback on the new format, what do you like better? Feel free to drop us a line like we mentioned earlier. So uh, picking up from Spider-Gwen number one uh, with the reveal of this universe's Captain America, we got a little kick at the can between two uh, major plot interactions. We've got Spider-Man and Captain America in the sewers with the lizards. And uh, we get a little bit of info on Captain America's origin, which is still a very faithful callback to uh, the Steve Rogers of 616, but interesting enough and different enough to make it something very refreshing, which is something I feel uh, Latour has really succeeded in so far when uh, as he's world building here. Um, and then on the flip side, you've got uh, George Stacy and Uncle Ben interacting as they learn a little bit more about the case and try to find a little bit more about Peter Parker's killer, ending in a really grand finale between Spider-Man and Captain America and Kurt Connors. So what did you think of this book? What did you like? What didn't you like? I have to say the biggest thing I liked right away was the introduction of Captain America. This is a big deal to finally bring in a new superhero into Gwen's world, which is uh, Earth 65. Mm -hmm. And I love that they reused the method from Edge of Spider-Verse 2 in terms of the character introduction. So they gave her this two-page origin spread, which is like this super condensed version. So each panel is just like almost a self-contained story in its own. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible discipline, I think, on the part of just not not just the dialogue, but the art as well. Like each panel, it's clearly inspired by the movie version of Captain America and then uh, kind of bleeds over a little bit. I saw it as the Marvel Now story. I don't know if you re- read uh, Rick Remender's Captain America where Steve was in Dimension Z with uh, Dr. Zola and these kind of weird mutated creatures. But this version of Cap, goes through that. And it's interesting. It's Samantha Wilson. Uh, so you get an African-American woman as Captain America, which works totally well. It's such a non-issue the way it's presented in the book. And she mm-hmm. goes on these crazy interdimensional adventures. And it's like, just like with Edge of Spider-Verse 2, like I wanted to read more of the story, but I didn't need to. And I love the fact that you get just like a little tease, like how crazy is that Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur and Captain America and yeah, some right? alternate dimension and you get this space in your head to imagine the story. And I like that because it makes it an interactive reading experience because then your your imagination wanders a little bit. And that's that's a lot of fun. And that's something you don't generally get because, you know, the, the creators are taking you through their story. This is giving you space to kind of go off on your own, however brief it is. But I really enjoyed that. And on top of that, they don't leave you hanging because there is the origin uh, section on the on the back of the book. So to learn a little bit more... Uh, it's really interesting that you can go back and uh, if you're really a fan of uh, of this new character, there's a resource for learning a little bit more about her. I loved it. Cap is not alone, though. She has a clone. What'd you think of number 13? I wasn't Falcon. a big fan of it, um, but I feel like I'm so done with clones and I would have felt like, the, like a separate character would feel a lot more real, especially because... Um, uh, this, there was a striking difference between Jessica Drew and uh, and Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. But uh, Sam Sam thirteen doesn't really get a lot of dialogue here to really be able to tell much of a like a striking difference between these two as characters. So I'm not going to jump ahead and say that they're um, that they're not different enough because we don't really know enough yet. But it, it just felt like something that wasn't a, as like a high point of a book for me. What are your thoughts? I found it. I actually I might disagree. I found it interesting. I yeah the you know clones. In the Amazing Spider-Man series, I, you know, that 
that's a whole episode on its own. But I really enjoyed the implica or the storytelling in Ultimate because you know Jessica is a female version of the lead character and hasn't grown up with Peter. Unlike this relationship where Samantha and Falcon, they've clearly had time together and are working together. The issues of different genders and then the sort of senior junior relationship. I think there's a lot of potential there and to take it in a different direction. I will say I enjoyed it, but it also seemed like one element, maybe too much in a book that I already had was already trying to juggle a lot of stuff going on. So overall, I, I, I liked it. I think I would disagree. It was good. Uh, a core part of this book is, of course, the extended fight sequence. This could be kind of a love it or hate it thing, or is it somewhere in the middle? What'd you, what'd you make of this? Uh, felt like it was drawn out. I feel like, um, the gap that we had between having all the lizards kind of apprehended and Kurt Connors tied up before, you know, breaking out and just screaming Parker, Parker while like all of that just felt really like it felt a little bit too long. Like the book was trying to be filled up. Um, and I, I just felt like there was a like there was a really weird disconnect between all the fight scenes and then going to George and um, and Ben, just having like just a lot of the times it was like action 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 and then quiet backyard scene. I thought the Ben and George stuff was kind of the the bookends, right? It started with that, then you had the fight, then it kind of wrapped up with that. Uh, but it, but it felt they, differently to you. Yeah, like I like I liked what they were going for, like you said, with the bookends, like having it kind of start and and uh, end the book on that kind of note. Uh, I thought it came across as like there's one point in it where it came across really well where it seemed like a if this was like a like an animated series you could almost hear the music transitioning from the fight scene and then continuing on while while George and Ben are talking just like it, like I don't know like it, I got that vibe going from it and it worked I just felt that like it would it would have been useful to have maybe just a small portion of it in the middle just to kind of. Uh, just to split that fight up just because it felt a, like really drawn out and confusing. Um, but uh, what I did like was the ending at the very least, bringing the uh, the roof down on the lizard. Like, <laughs> um, that hot, Because like that high sense of morality from Spider-Man characters, like that was like seeing Gwen just not run away and say like, like I'm not going to let anyone die while I'm here. That's like, that's spider anything to me, be it Miles Morales, Peter, that is a spider character and it's really cool to see that regardless of the universe like we've talked about this before but there are staples uh, of the of spider people that just kind of carry on regardless and that high sense of morality is one of them Kyle's not with us he's actually a thought bubble this weekend but he had pointed out in uh, <laughs> an episode or two before that whenever heroes meet they've got to fight at first and then they become friends and sure enough that happened here and while I'll say that idea didn't do anything for me because it's such a it's such a requirement, it feels like a requirement at this point. What I enjoyed was how Captain America's fighting style was rendered in a very fresh and interesting way. Just the motion of her shield, I I don't think I've ever seen it done this way before, where it was almost like trails of light, like mm -hmm. Tron, almost like throwing one of the laser discs around, but. Just that sense of motion and then the sound effects as your eye follows it, you know, for as each lizard gets hit in the face, you know, whap, whap, you know, and you really get that sense of 
speed and motion and just the fight choreography was incredible. And there are one or two moments where Gwen's shape is kind of warped a little bit to kind of really drive home that that sense of action, like she's given a lizard a kick in the face and her foot is kind of stretched out, almost like breaking out of the panel, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then when she takes a punch to the face from Cap, and even the sound effects is whoppa, and her face gets warped. And, you know, the lines in the background, like you can, it's like, it's like watching a movie almost. And I think that like, while I'll agree, like the fight kind of goes on and it gets confusing because, you know, there are a number of lizards and some are tied up, but then some are still fighting. I wasn't quite sure what was going on, but it was also fun at the same time. Just seeing scenes like that, you just kind of get swept up in it. And I really, I enjoyed it. Seeing Captain America kind of. Try, like very serious and stern, but having Gwen still throw out all the quips and everything. Oh, uh, totally! Very, that was, very old school Spidey. Absolutely, and it had that. It had that character just down to down pat. So I like mad props to Rodriguez for being able to capture like the feeling of the of that with like very once again very stellar and interesting art. And huge shout out to Latour for just capturing the voices so well. Yeah, it's. I'm glad you said that because at a time where you know, Amazing Spider-Man is fun and amazing, but it's also unrecognizable. It's doing its own dramatically different things with global Peter Parker. This is very much like an old school Spider-Man story and it, and mm-hmm. dialogue is, is driving that home. One thing I didn't really get into and I still, I'm still not into is the whole connection between the lizard and shield. My initial reaction was like, ah, that's, that's not as exciting to me because I've seen big organization or corporation, whatever, doing experiments on human beings, trying to create, you know, super powered uh, soldiers or whatever. And we've seen that done in Ultimate Spider-Man. We've seen that done even in all new Ultimates to, uh, you know, lesser success. So Hmm. what, you know, conspiracy are they going to uncover? You know, how is this going to play out? On the surface, it doesn't seem particularly interesting. Of course, I'll hang on and see where it goes, but that I will say that's not what's kind of keeping me hooked. It's more the character stuff that's engaging me. Yeah, I got to say I agree. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm going to kind of wait and see how that plays out, but it doesn't look all too uh, all too interesting to me, like you said, on the surface level. there. I mean, there are fun like Easter egg clues, right? So there's a, apparently like another organization, like a shadow cell organization called Silk, Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like, hey, so will, you know, the person in charge of that be this Earth 65 Cindy Moon? Is miles far behind? Who knows? But I'd love to see that. But that's, again, that's, that's not the main thing. What I am interested in is more character development. I loved, we were talking earlier about George and Ben kind of bookending the story and George becoming more of a character in his own right. And he's even the narrator very briefly in the beginning. And I like that because He's got an interesting challenge. He's trying to prove his daughter innocent, but then he's got his friends that he's also trying to give them closure, you know, as they're grieving. That's kind of cool. And what did you make of their conversation overall? I I liked it. I thought it was good, good development for both. Really awesome interaction between the two. Uh, Unfortunately, we do get to see a little bit of like a rougher side of Ben. Um, What do you mean? Well, he starts getting really like not, nothing too bad, but um, I, I remember we were covering Spider Gwen a while ago. I actually like I was re-listening to some of the older episodes, 
um, this week, and uh, there, there was the episode where where we were talking about if there's another side to Ben, like a darker side, and Kyle was up in arms about it uh, and really against it, and he was begging. Uh, I, I can quote it. He said, don't you ruin this sweet man for me. Uh, <laughs> and then here we go. We see Ben being really harsh on uh, on George, um, really just not understanding that he got he got laid off the case. He, there's nothing like he's going to keep working at it, but there's not very much he can do. But Ben just orders him. He goes like, you're going to you're going to keep at it and you're going to come back to me with everything, you know. So nothing too bad yet, but it was just a little bit jarring to see him so rude. So I'm a little bit bummed that he was such a sweet old man before. The last thing I would want to bring up is this book's kind of quirky, absurd sense of humor. And we've seen that in the past, things like Spider-Ham and the corn dog fixation. And in this one, Gwen is handcuffed by Captain America and has to continue the fight in the handcuffs. And through it all, she is also looking out for this guinea pig that she had rescued in the previous issue. Mm -hmm. And so she's got him webbed up in a corner and, you know, it's, it's just kind of hanging in the background when she gets knocked out and she opens her eyes it's staring her in the face almost, you know, with this expression, like, are you okay? <laughs> and then through it all, you know, when she escapes, she actually delivers this uh, animal to the bodega bandit as a replacement for the uh, his little sidekick that he lost to the lizard in the first issue, which was kind of a very sweet shucks moment and also absurd because she's still in the handcuffs. And if you notice, like, the yeah. way her, you know, she, and then she swings out, so... I like that. It's so ridiculous and it's such a, again, like old schools, like nothing works out for Spidey quite right, does it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like, all in all, I'm just liking that this book is not, like, not taking itself too seriously. Um, not in a bad way, but just, um, uh, and just having fun with it. I'm I'm totally okay with that. I think this is the first issue where Gwen has been in costume the entire time. Oh, yeah. And so it was really... I think it went a long way overall to kind of establishing her in my mind as a reader as Spider-Woman and not just Gwen. Oh, for sure. So that that's cool. And I it, it sets things up well for, for where the series is going next. Agreed. So we are going to try something different and do away with the rating scale of, you know, 1 to 10 because really, who cares who's keeping track? Noor, if you had to sum up this book in three words, what are the first three words that come to your mind uh, when it comes to Radioactive Spider-Gwen number two? Uh, see, this is the tough part now. It's coming up with the with the three words. I'm gonna go with uh, crazy and fun. That's two. Oh well, I oh I or is and or is and one of and. your words? <laughs> okay, crazy. Okay, let's go. Let's crazy and go fun. With. Three. <laughs> don't don't even cut the sound. This is like <laughs> people need to hear the first go at it. Uh, crazy, fun, and exciting. Nice. <laughs> Not, that wasn't too bad. That wasn't bad. Uh, I am going to go with vibrant. I'm going to go with kinetic. And I'm going to go with overwhelming. See, that's a lot more artistic than what I had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see that was a lot. I see that was a lot more fun to do than just coming up with a number. Three. <laughs> nine nine point five. <laughs> We should have just started doing it in videos and just having like swim competitions that they just hold up the signs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's move into the second book we have uh, to cover today. Okay. Guess who's back? Miles Morales returns with the all new, all different Avengers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> 
All right, so let me take a shot at recapping this book. So we have a new universe or new world, I guess. It's eight months later after whatever happens in Secret Wars. And there are no real Avengers. So Tony Stark and Captain America is trying to figure out, you know, about putting a team together. Um, Some aliens show up, try to create some trouble. And Sam Alexander and Kamala Khan have a fight. That about cover it? Yeah, that about covers it. Great. Thanks for listening. <laughs> okay, see you later. Guys. Oh, wait. And Miles Morales shows up. <laughs> oh, man. the the That's essential for us. At yeah, least. whoops. That's probably the meat <laughs> like, of the story. Almost an afterthought. Hmm. <laughs> well, why is that? I think as we get into this, we learned our lesson when we were covering all new Ultimates that, you know, while it's cool to have Miles as part of a book, it's not his book. And that is certainly the case here. So he's a featured player, but this is very much about the team. Mm-hmm. So we'll take a shot at covering this book, but you, our listeners, please let us know if this is something, uh, this is a series you want to keep hearing about, or if you just want to focus on the main two. So to kick off, uh, we'll start with uh, what we loved and what we didn't. Um, the Sam and Kamala act interaction at the uh, around the end of the book, probably my favorite interaction thus far. I thought Mark Wade did a great job of capturing every voice in the series really well, um, but those two were hitting it off in a very real way um, and nothing went right. And it was really funny to see just these two people who like Sam has admittedly thinks she's like great and has like is is just infatuated with her. And whereas Kamala is being like overtly rude to him, but really questioning why she's doing that. So there's like hidden feelings there, too. She just isn't really admitting it. Um, Are you reading Mark Wade's Archie? I'm not. I highly recommend it. I, I picked it up. I was I was curious about it, and you know, I wanted to. I, I enjoy his work as a writer, and I, definitely Fiona Staples is on art, you know, and I love what she does in Saga. I would recommend it because that what you described is what he's doing in that book. Just capturing that voice. It's a very authentic feeling. It's a very believable teenage voice, mm-hmm. and all those feelings you know you have your you know what you say and then what you're thinking and you know how that doesn't always line up yeah and it, it very much felt in line with that and this ended up being my favorite part of the story this was more interesting that character interaction granted there's the superhero element where they're throwing stuff around and things are exploding getting smashed up but just that awkwardness of i like you and i'm coming off like an idiot and i can't stop and you must hate me and then the other person thinking the exact same thing they're superheroes. They're larger than life, and they're still going through these very real teen problems, which is something like people have called Kamala a staple of what made Peter so great back uh, back when he started, um, because she's like same thing. Like she's just like same formula of a superhero uh, who's trying to balance life between being a teenager, going to school, having feelings for people, um, and Mark Wade captured that voice masterfully, and he did a did it really well and like honestly it didn't feel out of place having this kind of stuff even though there were superheroes it just felt like a lot more relatable which is a word that people use for peter for a while too and while we're talking about the positives in the book he did some really kind of fun things jumping to the uh the main story with tony and um sam he did this whole kind of meta commentary for how readers are looking at the characters and there's this that incredible scene where Captain America saves everyone and has to buy Girl Scout cookies. But who's he going to buy them from? Is he going to buy them from 
the black Girl Scout, the white Girl Scout, and like everyone looking at everything he does trying to bring race into it. Mm-hmm. And he's so aware of it. Like everyone's got the phones and then he figures out a clever way to, to bail himself out of it. But some of that dialogue, you know, like not my Captain America, you know, and this that's what's happening mm-hmm. when he was sh- when he showed up. You get all these people. Oh, what is this? You know, PC nonsense or the diversity? Why are you forcing your diversity agenda on me? And this is nonsense. And just to see him acknowledge that in such a tongue in cheek way was was really funny. Um, oh yeah. And even later, when Miles finally shows up, it's like, hey, it's trademark infringement, kid. Yeah. So like I yeah no I gotta say that was I really loved that and. Did, did you hear about all the controversy with Fox News and the first issue of the new Captain America book? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> like, that stuff is so garbage and it's like picked apart by people who don't know what they're talking about and just see like, oh, a black Captain America. This is so liberal. I hate it and I'm conservative and I have to hate it. Um, well, I, I, that's what I find like, so interesting, you know, agendas and, and stuff like that, especially <laughs> – with comic books, there's this strange sense of ownership that I wouldn't say everyone, but a very vocal section of certain fandom has. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, that's not, you know, Peter Parker's dead. Dr. Octopus, that, that's not my Spider-Man. I will never read another Spider-Man. As they're buying it anyway, you know. Oh, yeah. But um, I just as a side note, I find, I've always found that fascinating. Like comic books are incredible. They're only limited by your imagination. You can do anything you want. But then as soon as you try to do, like, change things up a little bit, I need it exactly the same. Yeah, right? Like, (laughs) larger-than-life heroes, stories that, like, shake up anything that we've ever read before. But Peter has to take pictures for the Daily Bugle for the rest of his life. And that's all he can do. (laughs) And there's that that comment, like you said, meta-commentary on it. But it just kind of – it doesn't get in the way of the story moving forward. That said, I will say about the main story with the alien invasion and somebody in the Avengers building who I didn't recognize that character. Is that somebody I'm supposed to know? Um, The the name escapes me, but I feel like it's the same person who was in the recent Thor series. Okay. Ah, shoot. Um, It's going to bother me. He turns into like a... Like some sort of centaur looking thing. Well, wait, weren't they... They weren't with Roxxon. No. Shoot, no, because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking rocks on. Anyway, um, anyway, I, that whole um, scene, like I, alien invasion, ah, you know, that's that's not a particularly exciting threat. Um, I was surprised to see that also the character of Tony Stark didn't really do anything for me. And I know that's the push right now to make him the star of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And I just don't find him engaging yet because this is we're still at the stage where the team is coming together. I mean, Miles is basically a cameo at this point. And mm. it's interesting because we don't know how we've seen teases of him. He had a little cameo in the first Amazing Spider-Man issue. Now we're seeing him here, but we haven't seen him in his own story yet. So we don't know how this works with this world full of, you know, with this world of Parker Industries and, you know, multiple spider characters running around. Mm-hmm. He's trade, trademark infringement kid. I, you know, so he he felt <laughs> in his few panels that he was in. I will say he felt a million times more connected to the character we've read in the Bendis book than he did in All New Ultimates. Oh, without a doubt. Just, um, and I'm trying to figure if that was the art or that was the dialogue or like I can't really put. It's hard to put a finger on it, but I think just the way 
the way he was used fit seemed to fit better. It's very interesting to see how good Mark Wade is at his job. It's fantastic to see it. I, 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 when we found out he was writing this book, I think we were all in consensus that we were going to check it out just because like with a with a lineup like that for the creative team, it you can't go wrong and so far it hasn't. I mean, it's only one issue in, but he's off to a great start. Plus he specifically asked for Miles. Like he wanted to use that character and then when Bendis found out, like, "What? Wait, then I need to keep writing him too." Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> so it works out for everyone. So Okay, so Noor, let's. Uh, you want me to go first? Let's. So we're not doing the ratings, right? We're going to do three words. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, you so can, if I had to sum up. up all new, all different Avengers number one, I would have to say it is clever, mm-hmm. it is charming, and it is promising. I'm going to go with very real. There's no space <laughs> in between. There's no space in between. So you're you're inventing real. words, okay? Because very I want to say I want because I, I don't want to just say real because this book is. Like very, very true. real. Okay. It's like very real. It's very real, true, and I'm gonna go with promising as well. Not to copy you, but just because I'm very excited with what Mark Waite's gonna do. Okay. Well, again, loyal listeners, thank you. Um, if you want to hear more about all new, all different Avengers, please let us know. Feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com. Shoot us a line on Twitter or Facebook page. Um, this is an experiment. We'll see how it goes. So. If we can hear from you, that'll help us out. Speaking of listeners. Uh, I believe we had a contest going. We did. So... Do you want to kick that off, recap for anybody joining us what was going on for the past couple of weeks? So we had a contest um, to give away two variant covers of Radioactive Spider-Gwen number one. And all you had to do was head over to our Facebook page and tell us what you liked about the book. And it was cool because we uh, really enjoyed hearing from you guys. It's it's fun to talk just on microphone uh, to each other about it. But what we really enjoy is connecting with other fans from all over the world. This has been a lot of fun. So it was great to hear from so many of you. So uh, I just want to say thanks to those of you who entered. If I mispronounce any of your names, I apologize. But we heard from Sean Carmignani, Ashley Steele Cray, Kirk Morrison, Thomas Smith, Louis Mensinger, and Niccolo Yu. And we also heard from Alex Gutierrez, Kelvin Sellis, Kevin Escott, Alton Francis, Rob Wilson, and Mason Radcliffe. And basically, we wanted to find out from you what you liked about Spider-Gwen. So we'd like to share a couple of your replies from Ashley Steele-Cray. She said, the artwork of Spider-Gwen is just stunning. Between the super edgy line work and the fantastic use of non-traditional Spidey colors, the whole thing is just gorgeous. Not to mention the fresh and fantastic alternate timeline that gives you a spin on characters that has never been seen before. This will be my favorite title for a long while. And like we mentioned earlier, we also heard from Alex Gutierrez. I love Spider-Gwen because of the teenage connection I feel with her struggling to get jobs, etc., and the way she talks. My favorite moment has to be when she first imagines Spider-Man after she gets KO'd. <laughs> <That's> KO'd. <right. laughs> Kirk Morrison said, There's so much great stuff about Spider-Gwen that it's hard for me to pick my favorite thing about the title. But I think overall, I love seeing that so many decades after the creation of Spider-Man, there's still so much fresh life left in these characters. It makes me happy to know 
that there will always be spider stories to tell. Agreed. And lastly, we're going to hear from Thomas Smith, who is a longtime listening uh, listening fan for the Ultimate Spin. So, welcome back, Thomas. Uh, what I feel, what I love about Spider Gwen is just the feel of the series in general. It simultaneously has reverence and irreverence for the source material, balancing goofy moments like the corn dog bait with touching character moments such as Bandado's tra- tragic fate and the Bodega Bandit's reaction to it. The series has a zany aesthetic that knows when it can be totally ridiculously silly and knows when it needs to take a moment and be serious or thoughtful. Sometimes both. I love Spider-Gwen because of the balance it has overall. Sure, some moments are clunky, but in general, it gives every moment what it deserves. Ah, uh, thanks, Thomas. Thanks, everyone. We Again, we really appreciate it hearing from you guys. Uh, and now the moment of truth. One person is going to win the uh, John Tyler Christopher cover, action figure cover, and then the other will win the Scotty Young baby cover. So we've got the names in a hat. Noor, hit the random number generator, and I'll need two numbers, please. So you All right, so 1 to 12. Uh, do we get a drum roll going? Yeah. <laughs> and it's 1. So Sean Carmignani. Okay. So that's the first one. He's won the, uh, which variant? The action figure? Sure. Sure. There you go. <laughs> okay. And who's going to win the Scotty Young variant? Du-du-du-du-du-du. 10, which is Alton Francis. Congratulations. Um, if you guys, Sean and Alton, can drop us a line, feedback at ultimatespinpodcast.com as soon as you hear this. Let us know where we should send uh, your books and we'll get them in the mail to you as soon as we can. Yeah, congrats, guys. Congrats. Thanks to everyone for listening. Um, thank you again uh, for downloading and checking us out. We are figuring this out still as we're going along, and we love to hear from you about um, the books, about the show, whatever's on your mind. Head on over to ultimatespinpodcast.com. Click on Talk to Us. Drop us a line. You can also find us on Twitter at The Ultimate Spin and our Facebook page at Ultimate Spin Podcast. As well, we would really appreciate it if you guys would drop us a line on iTunes, uh, throw in a review. Uh, we're giving out comics just to say thanks for that. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys, and we just we just love your feedback. You guys are great. We actually got a review. I just want to say hi to Theron Mathis, who posted a review for us on iTunes last month, October. He wrote, Go Miles. My kids and I love Miles, and we finally found a show that shares our enthusiasm. Thanks, guys. This is one of our podcasts we listen to on our way to school. So, Hi, Theron and the kids. Thank you guys for listening. Um, drop us a line and I will send you some digital comics to say thanks. I didn't even read this review and I'm so touched because this is the sweetest thing. Like, this is the great way to start my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wonderful. All right. Brian, where can we find you? Uh, you can find my reviews of Radioactive Spider-Gwen and the Miles Morales series, all that good stuff at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And as I mentioned, our Twitter page, uh, The Ultimate Spin, that has links to my Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. I will also, uh, on a side note, be doing a interesting uh, podcast project that's coming up. It's a Canadian uh, podcast called Sounds Like an Earful. And uh, it's kind of a storytelling type show, uh, very different from this. But if you want to check it out, you can head on over to soundslikeanearful.com. Uh, the season that's kicking off in November is called No Return Address. So if you check it out, let me know what you think. How about you, Noor? You can find me on Twitter at the Mighty Noor. Um, I'm also on Nerds Unchained with uh, my lovely editor in chief, Kyle. Uh, you can find us both there. I haven't written in a while because I've been a little bit busy with uh, with a new job, but I'm hopefully going to try to get back into this soon. Um, 
otherwise, I'm also on Tumblr at spider-noor.tumblr.com. Uh, and feel free to drop me a line on either of those. Let's talk. And as always, show notes for everything we discussed in this episode can be found at ultimatespinpodcast.com. That's it for now, but coming up, we are hopefully going to have an interview with the creator and director of the Miles fan film, Spider-Man Lives, Ivan Kander. And in December, we'll talk Spider-Gwen 3 for sure, possibly the Avengers, uh, let us know. And brace yourselves, ultimate end number five. thanks for listening you could drop us a line or find show notes and earlier episodes at www.ultimatespinpodcast.com ultimate spin podcast.com